This is Victoria of TheUnleashedHeart.com, and you're listening to Grieving Voices, a podcast for hurting hearts who desire to be heard, or anyone who wants to learn how to better support loved ones experiencing loss. As a 30-plus year griever and advanced grief recovery method specialist, I know how badly the conversation around grief needs to change. Through this podcast, I aim to educate grievers and non-grievers alike, spread hope, and inspire compassion toward those hurting. Lastly, by providing my heart with ears and this platform, grievers have the opportunity to share their wisdom and stories of loss and resiliency. How about we talk about grief like we talk about the weather? Let's get started. Hi there. It's just me, Victoria, your host of Grieving Voices, and thank you for tuning in. This is the Takeaways and Reflections episode where I'll share some deeper insights into the episode I recorded with Kimberly Pittman Schultz, episode 84, Finding Peace Amidst the Ashes. And at the time of this recording, uh, earlier in the day, I had recorded with another guest where for the first time in 84 episodes, I pretty much cried through the whole thing, through the entire recording, nearly the whole thing. But you know what? That's okay. Crying is okay, and it's healing, and sometimes you just got to do it. But I bring that up because it was a mother who was speaking about the loss of her child. And I mean, I just was captivated by her story in how she delivered it and articulated it. And the same with Kimberly. But I bring that other episode up because Kimberly talked a lot about uh taking a break from her grief. And I think that's so important that we acknowledge what we're feeling and yet at the same time allow ourselves to step away from it for a a moment. That doesn't mean you're ignoring it. That doesn't mean you're stuffing it down. It doesn't mean that you're avoiding it. Quite the opposite. It's giving your mind, literally just your mind, which impacts your heart, of course, but literally giving your mind a little bit of a vacation from the hamster wheel of grief, because it can feel like this downward spiral thought process that can really take you down and impact your health. And so even just a 10-minute step outside, like Kimberly described she would do, to stare up into the night sky and give give her thanks, listen to the water on the rocks, just brought her a sense of inner peace without her even realizing at the moment what was happening, but feeling the effects of that a short time later. And that's really kind of what prompted uh, what she ended up writing some about. And she had said that joy is about being connected to your life and to the moment. And I think about that episode I recorded with my guest this morning and how through the trauma and the grief that her and her family were able to find the joy and be connected to each other and what was happening and embracing their son's life and his death 
in the moment. And I wish I could elaborate more on that episode. Look forward to that. It will be with Casey Carmona. It's an episode that is perfect for anyone who is facing hospice care, has a loved one facing hospice care, someone that has lost a child, a couple that have lost a child. I just, There's a little bit of something in there for everyone, of course, like, like always, because our stories uh, are what connected each us to each other. Like it's our stories. That's where we find connection is in the lives that we've lived and the stories that we share. The thing about grief too, is that it starts to tax us, not just mentally, emotionally, and physically, or financially, in a lot of cases. But we tend to, you know, have this stoic, I've got this, I don't need support, I don't need help, I'm strong. And you feel like you have to be strong for everyone around you. And for some people who are in relationship with people or with others who don't seem to have the same stoicism, uh, is that a word? (laughs) Who tend to flounder under pressure or under stress, right? So there's always those people in our lives that just don't handle stress or stressful situations or challenging times very well. And that's okay. There's no judgment there. Just some people just seem to be more built emotionally to handle things or do better under pressure, I guess. Not even so much that they're built better or different or what have you, but it's that it's how you're wired. We're all wired differently, right? And just some people are wired for Let's say an ER doctor, right? Like uh, someone that like is a professional chess player. They're not going to probably be an ER doctor, right? They they take time, strategy, thought process. They need time to process in their mind, and they're they're very much in their heads and in thinking. But you know, as a physician, an ER doctor. No, I'm not an ER doctor, but I imagine you know I have to think on your toes. It's very high pressure. It's high stress. You have to be able to. It really strategize quickly and and problem solve quickly. Just not everybody is wired that way. And so when we think about grief and how differently we are all wired, we can see how we show up to our grief and others who are grieving differently too. And perhaps this is where we get this idea of resiliency. When we see resiliency in others, or we see others who are strong or being strong. Now, again, I've talked about it many times, that is a myth of grief, to be strong. And we'll often see this in cases of caregiver relationships, uh, where we'll say to each other, well, we need to be strong for grandma right now. She needs us to be strong, you know, just as an example. But there are no specific instructions on how to do that. It is one of those expressions that sounds good, but it really has no real value. And it's also one of the most confusing of all ideas relating to loss. So again, when we're looking at resiliency and thinking people are being strong or people are saying they are being strong. What does that look like? How do you do that? There is no manual on how to be strong. And so I think that's where this idea of resiliency came from, where we see this ability in people to compartmentalize what is happening, to put it out of their brain and to just act, to do what they need to do, to be the caregiver, to be the shoulder for everyone else to lean on. But at some point, and everybody has a breaking point 
where you just one day just absolutely get tired of having to be resilient. And I think in child grievers who become adults, and I, I can speak from personal experience, where when you're when you don't have a choice to be resilient because that's your coping mechanism, but when you come and become an adult and you have to make decisions and you are navigating your grief in an entirely different way. You have all this new information and knowledge because you're an adult now and you're processing, trying to process all these feelings that you experienced in childhood. But this sense of resiliency, it's you, you realize and come to know and understand that it, that was just something that was put on you by other people because you had to be strong. And so that's why in the upcoming episode that I'll eventually will be released with with Casey Carmona and she was talking about her child her other child who lost his sibling right it's so important that we share our grief with the children in our lives because when we emulate healthy grieving the children pick up on those cues and become adults who learn how to grieve well as adults and this came up in our my conversation with Kimberly that there wasn't this openness communication about what happened. In fact, it wasn't until till she was in her 30s where she actually found out how the fire started and took her sister's lives, which added on more grief too to her to her life. And so it's just important that we allow children the opportunity to communicate and share how they're feeling, even if it's painful for you as the adult or as the parent. And so what are some things that you can do to help make it easier for the children in your life to communicate their grief? Well, you can take a break from your own grief and learn tools and education and knowledge about how to grieve in a healthy way. And a part of that is and is helpful in that is creating routine and rituals about things that nourish you, that bring you joy, that help give some reprieve to the overwhelming feelings that come in waves. And when they do come, allow it because that's okay. But then learn ways that are right for you to channel that. I loved how Kimberly shared the importance of routine. And I found personally that in times of challenge in my life that I would forego my routine, that I would let go of those rituals. It really, I found that that, that's really what grounds me in my day-to-day life. And when that's taken away or I don't prioritize those things, for me in the morning, it's meditation first thing in the morning, sets up the day for me to mentally prepare myself for what's ahead. And if I am not taking that time to do that for myself, and it doesn't have to be meditation, by the way, it can be whatever it is for you that grounds you, that makes you feel present in the moment, that helps you get out of your own head, like Kimberly, it's stepping out into the night sky, listening to the water on the rocks, giving thanks to the stars. Maybe it's taking a walk in the early mornings where you watch the sunrise. Whatever it is for you, that can help break up the monotony of grief. And I say the monotony of grief because it can feel like a grind. Day after day, it can feel like a grind. And it will grind you down. It will grind you down if you let it. But how you start to slowly chip away at it is by making these small, incremental, micro steps towards joy, towards healing, moving forward to something that helps you feel better, that's good for you. 
I'm not talking alcohol. I'm not talking gambling. I'm not talking shopping or all of these other stirbs that I've talked about many times on this podcast, the short-term energy relieving behaviors that we resort to when we're feeling the monotony and the grind of grief. We have to be able to have an awareness and recognize when that is not serving us. And in order to live in the moment, in order to feel connected in our life and with the people in it, just as my conversation with Casey today illustrated, which I can't wait for you to hear it. Um, I'm talking it up already, but it's going to be so good to be able to embrace the light and the dark. This, my friends, is when you find your break from grief. But you have to create that. You have to create those moments. You have to create the systems that make it easy to make better choices and decisions for yourself. And I'm going to talk a lot more about systems in our lives moving forward because it's come up a lot lately. I just want to encourage you to think outside the box a little bit. So I'm going to have you grab a paper and pen and write this down. What are 10 ways I can take a break from grief? And list them. Journal on it and see what you come up with. Because those answers to that question, those are the things that will fill you up, that will bring you joy, that will serve your spirit, and will give you the break from grief that you are probably looking for. I hope you found this helpful. I encourage you to listen to Kimberly's episode. She had a lot of wisdom to share. Uh, she's written a book. She talks about that in her in her episode. We talk about how her work has been inspired by her life and the importance of rituals. Very important when we're talking about taking a break from grief. So I hope you listen to her episode and remember that when you unleash your heart, you unleash your life. Much love. From my heart to yours, thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it because sharing is caring. And until next time, give and share compassion by being a heart with ears. And if you're hurting, know that what you're feeling is normal and natural. Much love, my friend. Thank you.